to be back here again. How many of you um, were here last year when I was here? And you came back? That's an even bigger miracle, isn't it? I mean, you know, your first time visitors, they don't know what they're in for, do they? But, you know, they're just gullible. But the rest of the people, they come back willingly. That's amazing. You know, um, it's, a pri- it's a privilege to be here. And actually, before I forget, I've got some things I want to give to you. Because I know we like to have some gifts here. My dad's got some, a whole bunch of stuff over there, but there's a couple of teachings. We've got these really cool little cards. And, you know, when we, when we travel around, my husband and I, we have a ministry and we travel around and make TV programs. And um, I know I, I, don't, I don't have TV, so I, I don't watch my own TV program. If you've ever seen yourself recording on anything, you never sound the same on the screen that you sound in your head. It's, it, I have a really annoying voice. Um, but we have, a, we have a TV ministry, and uh, we travel around, we do conferences, and um, um, so we, we put together, these are some of the, the, the teachings from our TV ministry, um, but these are, some of the, these are two of the teachings that probably help people the most. And you know, what we, what we can get through on a, on a Sunday morning, and, you know, in, a, in a half an hour sermon, is, is not everything everyone's ever going to need for the rest of their days. That's why we need to have daily bread. Amen? Amen. That's why God's goodness and mercies are new every day. Amen? But sometimes there there is enough to kickstart you in the realm of faith to help you to receive something that God has been wanting you to get forever. Amen? Amen. And so um, on these these teaching materials that we have, they're a little longer. They have different... um, I think one has uh, 10 lessons on it. One has eight. They're they're all different. They're back there. Uh, but these are probably two of the teachings that have helped people, some of the most in, in, in our ministry. My husband t- uh, tends to, to teach more in the realm of, pro- of, of, of abundance and receiving a financial blessing and walking in that. And my passion for different reasons um, is healing. I love, I love seeing people saved and healed. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. That's what floats my boat, if yeah. you like. Amen. And, uh, and so I have a testament. I was healed of epilepsy, um, what was it, uh, 15 years ago. My daughter was healed of um, 13 years ago um, of um, eosinophilic enteropathy, which is a really fancy way of saying she had an autoimmune disease that was going to kill her. Okay. So she was sent home from the hospital to die with a week to live, and she's 16 years old today because Jesus healed her. Amen. So because of, because of that, that's something that's very close to my heart and so, uh, really a passion that God's put in me. Um, so this teaching, if, do we have anyone in here that needs healing from anything? Oh, we do. Okay, good. I've come to the right place. And this one is called Healed and Whole. And this really is um, the A to Z of, of what healing is, like how to receive it. It goes through the Gospels, the w- different ways that Jesus healed people, how to minister, how to receive healing for yourself, and how to minister healing to other people. So if you don't need healing, how many people are interested in the ministry of healing to other people? That should be everyone, right? Because Jesus says, believers lay hands on the sick, and what happens? They get healed. Amen. How many believers do we have in here today? Okay. All right. So I'm going to give this to Mark to give to Pastor Mark. You can, you can be the bad guy that gets to only give it to one person. Both. It's both for people that are ready to receive healing or people that want to minister healing. Either way. And this one is called Manifesting Miracles. It says, you have a say in what you see. You know, um, God is, is, contrary to popular belief, God is not up in heaven deciding how and when you receive from him. Right? Amen? He's a good God with good promises, and he only gives good gifts. You'll never find any of God's gifts in the clearance section at Asda's. Okay? 
right? He only gives good gifts. And let me tell you, sickness and disease are not a kind of gift that you want to receive, right? So they don't come from God. But we have a say in what we see. We do. We have a say in what we see. So if God's not holding back on us, there must be some problem somewhere in the chain, and I believe it's on our end. Amen? He's a good God with good things for us, right? He's not up in heaven putting sickness and disease on people to teach them a lesson. Do you ever see Jesus going around saying, oh, well, you can be healed and blind eyes open, but you're having cancer? Do you ever see him doing that? No. So somewhere along the line, people have gotten very confused about this. And so today we're going to go through a few things and we're going to set a few things straight here. But this teaching will help you. It's called Manifesting Miracles. We all, you know, I meet many people and um, usually actually people that aren't even born again. And um, it's interesting because Jesus' ministry was to the unsaved, right? And people often say to me, well, can you receive healing if if you're not born again? Well, who was Jesus praying for, right? I mean, seriously, that when he found the demoniacs, most of them were in church. I know that's going to wreck some theology. But, um, but here, here's the thing. Man, we need to see miracles manifest. Miracles are for us. They're for today. There is the gift of the Spirit that God is passionate about, and he's putting it in us as believers to get his word and his power and his love and his presence into the community. Amen? Amen. But there is a point at which we need to participate in it. How many of you just woke up one day and found out that you were born again? No one? You, you had to do something, didn't you? You had to respond in some way. And here's the thing. You know, um, I, I love the, the gospel of grace. I really don't think there's another one. But some of us in that can get a little bit lazy, right? And forget that we need to participate. In all of God's promises, there is a participation part of it. You know, we aren't, a ch- we aren't a congregation of mere observers. Amen? We are the body of Christ. That means, how many people in here are believers today? Put your hand up if you've, if you've received Jesus. I like to do reverse um, altar calls, right, where we get the believers to put their hands up, right? Amen? Because everyone gets awkward if you ask somebody, have we got any unbelievers in here today? Right? But you charismatics, you'll put your hand up for coffee, right? So it, it, it's fine. But, but the thing is, if we were, if we were a believer... That means that we have received Jesus on the inside of us. Amen. At some point in your life, you made a commitment and you said, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to come and live in my heart. I want you to transform me. I want the fullness of your kingdom on the inside of me, whatever word you use. Amen. And Jesus came, if you're in Sunday school, Jesus came to be your special friend or your superhero or everyone. You get the point. But at the moment at which you did that, everything in your life changed. Now, it might not have looked like that on the outside, but nevertheless, there was a part of you that was dead that now became spiritually alive. You responded in faith to a promise of God, what we call salvation. Amen? Right? This is the simple gospel. Amen? So so if you're struggling with this, you can can ask me at the end and and I can help you receive Jesus. But here's the thing. We had to, at some point, say, yes, I want that. Yeah? It didn't matter. Somebody could have stuck a gun to your head. Well, probably not here, right? But um, in America, yes. Okay? Um, <laughs> here, maybe a baton or a spoon or something. You know? Um, <laughs> we're more civilized. I understand that. So, um, but here's the thing. Somebody could have twisted your arm up your back and made you say some words, but it wouldn't have meant a thing if you didn't mean it in your heart. There is no way, no person on the planet today that just wakes up and finds themselves accidentally saved. No one got accidentally saved. You all got all the saved people in here. You got saved on purpose, right? 
Okay, are we, are we on the same page here? And, and, and the thing is, the promises of God don't move away from salvation. They're all delivered in the same package, in the person of Jesus. In the person of Jesus. You know, we were just talking here about Luke chapter 4. I love that. That's a manifesto for our ministry from, from Luke 4.18. But you know, Jesus had a manifesto. He came to set at liberty the captives, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the sick and the brokenhearted. Amen? And you know, all of those things came in the same package. Every access to every promise, to every miracle that we're ever going to need, it came in the same package. We don't need anything else. We just need Jesus. Amen? So if you receive Jesus, if you're a believer in here today, that really gets me excited because you're already loaded. Amen? You're deadly. You're absolutely terrifying to the enemy today. You know, when you woke up this morning, the devil's like, oh no, they're awake. Right? You have a faith and that makes you dangerous. It makes you deadly. Now, oftentimes, people struggle to see a miracle. They know they're carrying around all the miracles they're ever going to need in the person of Jesus, right? Because if we've received Jesus, we've received the healer. Where does the healer live? In us, right? So if I walk over here, where is healing? It's over here, right? If I walk over here, is there any healing over here? Yes, because I'm over here, amen? This side of the room is more animated. I'm going to preach over here, okay? But, uh, but, but here's the thing. Sometimes we're frustrated. We've got all of this potential on the inside of us. We've got the Jesus part of us that's now alive, that's bursting with, with vibrance and energy and passion and power and provision and prosperity and, and health and healing, all of the spiritual gifts walking around in this little body. It's amazing we don't permanently vibrate, right? <laughs> okay? <laughs> well, if we, if we didn't have a body, a flesh suit, then we probably would, okay? But the fact is we live in a world don't we? That's, that's full of sin and pain, that's hurting, okay? And sometimes we place more value or, it, the, if you like, the world becomes more real to us than what the Word says who we are in the Spirit is, okay? Now, I just spent five minutes telling you who you are in the Spirit and everything you had in Christ. What happened to your faith in that five minutes? You started to get encouraged. You started to get excited. You started to think, yeah, I'm who she says I am, right? That's what happens when we get the word and we start to meditate on it and we start to let it come alive on the inside of us. But so often what we do in this world is we talk about everything that is terrible in our life, everything, every ache or every pain or everything or every word anyone ever spoke to us or somebody doesn't like us. You can have a thousand, preachers do this, don't they, right? You can have a thousand people in your church telling you how wonderful the service was, but you have one person that comes up at the end of the day and they don't like it. And that's what you're talking about at lunch, right? We're not immune, okay? We have flesh too, right? Because in our human body and human nature, we'll naturally gravitate to the negative. We'll naturally magnify whatever is, whatever is in the flesh. That's what we do. And when we're in that mindset, we are going to find it very difficult to see miracles manifest, Okay? Because accessing the supernatural power of God happens in this realm called faith. Amen? It happens, it's the same, and you are an expert in the faith department, by the way. Talk to your neighbor and say, you're an expert in the faith department. You are. You know, the, the very fact that you got born again <laughs> proves it. 
Okay? You, <laughs> some of us are more in process than others. Are you related to these people? I can tell. Okay, so, so here's the thing. We are experts in the faith department. We have believed God for salvation. That means if we believe God for salvation, we can believe God for everything else. Amen? But sometimes we struggle to see miracles manifest in our life because we don't realize that we have a part to play in that. And just like we had a part to play in receiving salvation, we have a part to play in receiving abundance. We have a part to play in receiving healing. We have a part to play in receiving forgiveness. Right? The work's already been done. Don't misunderstand me here. Jesus did the hard part. Our part is the yes, please. Was it difficult to get born again? I mean, did you really have to lay an egg over it? You know? You see a lot of constipated Christians out there. They're just ooh, like straining an egg or something. Some of us just need to let our face know we're saved, right? We haven't been baptized in pickle juice or sucking lemons or something. I think it says in the scripture that the joy of the Lord is your strength. But anyway, okay, you know what? We have joy on the fruit of our spirit. It says this in Galatians chapter 5. Of all people on earth, and regardless of what is going on in our life, Christians should be the happiest, should be the most fulfilled, the most peaceful people on the face of the planet. Amen. And that's true in your spirit. And again, if we could stay here all day talking about every good and perfect thing that we have going on on the inside of us, we'd walk out of this building feeling uplifted and encouraged and people of faith and ready to just chase the devil down with a two by four. Right? Come on! Right? How dare that devil come knocking at my... Don't you know who I am? Right? I might be five... I've got my heels on today. Look, I'm really tall. Right? Right? Our faith would become dangerous to the point where sickness and disease and poverty and oppression and condemnation and lies of the enemy would be like, oh, go, go bother someone else, right? Because I'm not falling for your, for your lies anymore. On the inst- Jude talks about this. He says, we build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Philemon 1.6 says that your faith, remember the, you're experts in the faith department because you just told me that, right? So did your faith becomes effective, how many of you want to have effective faith? Okay, well, this is how it becomes effective. It's not a secret. It says it in that verse. It says, your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So in other words, if we want our faith to actually start working, because if it's not working, then it's dead, according to James, right? If we want our faith that we already have on the, on the, in the person of Jesus on the inside of us, to be working and help us to access the promises of God that he's already provided, what that means is we just start getting happy. We just start getting thankful. And this isn't based on how we feel. You understand that? This isn't based on our circumstances. You see, the word of God is not moved by your circumstances. The word of God's indiscriminate. It's going to work for anyone that puts faith in it. Amen? And so we have a say. I actually just started teaching through, through, anyway, I need to give this away before I just carry it around with me, right? Okay, um, this is manifesting. Dad, you can give that to someone that needs a miracle to manifest in their life, okay? But we actually have a say in what we see and how much the power of God that we see in our life. God's not up in heaven deciding, well, Barry here, he looks pretty cool. He has a really cool hairdo. I'm going to anoint him. He's just trying to grow it, right? I mean, I'm just going to endue him with with, with, with power and anointing, but, you know, Carol over here, this is my mum and dad, that's why I'm picking on them. Um, right, I don't know, I don't know if she's really up for it, I don't know, I'm just going to, you know, whatever, she's going to get the clearance section gift or something. I've got a few hanging around here, you know, that were left over, no one else claimed them, I'm just going to give them to Carol. God doesn't do that, amen? 
God is good because he's good, not because we're good. Amen? And the word of God will work for anyone that puts faith in it. You know, um, when, when you were speaking, by the way, it's awesome. Thank you so much. It was a powerful, moving presentation. I'm going to have to check out those videos. Um, this scripture came to me, and this is not in my notes, but we're going to go free, free reign here, okay? This is in Acts 2, verse 24. And this, this is talking about, how many of you got the Bible with you today? You should bring it to church. It's a good place for it. So um, it says here, whom God raised up. Actually, we're just going to back up in verse 23. It'll make more sense. You have taken him, they're talking about Jesus, who is handed over to you by the ordained counsel and foreknowledge of God and by lawless hands have crucified and killed him who God raised up by loosening the pull of death because it was not possible, say, was not possible, that he should be held by it. Here's the thing. We've just been talking about how we're carriers of the king of glory. Wherever we walk around, the healing power of God walks around because we have, we have Jesus on the inside of us. We're believers, amen? We've got the full power of the heaven living on the inside of us. And here it says Jesus himself, he wasn't able to be kept in the grave. Look, by, God raised him up by loosening the pull of death because it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible that death could hold him in the grave. Let me ask you this. Is there anything more terminal than death? This isn't a trick question. No, okay. Okay, good. <laughs> Maybe I'll make a mistake. Um, you know, no matter what sickness... No matter what disease, maybe you've got death in your finances. Maybe you've got death in relationships, okay? We all have some dead areas. But here's the thing. Death had no power over Jesus because it wasn't possible. He didn't have enough power, in other, in other words, for it to hold Jesus in the grave. If Jesus defeated, that is worth an amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Over here. Amen. Okay? Here's the thing, right? If, if the power of death itself, which is the worst kind of condition you could ever have, you could have, you know, whatever prognosis from the doctors, you could have suffering, you could have surgeries, you could have medication, you could have a terminal report. None of those are as bad as death, right? Okay? Well, if he defeated death, do you not think he also defeated everything else? Amen? Amen? So if death itself has been defeated, and now that very power that defeated death lives on the inside of us, what does that say about us? That's powerful, amen? That means now we have power, we have authority over everything that previously held us in bondage. Amen? We have that power. It's a complete setup. You know, our life is a complete set up. God set before you were even born a life of prosperity, a life of health, a life of happiness, a life that was long and fulfilled and successful and anointed. He set you up for success before you even knew him. Amen. And you know, God, we, we can look at this in the all throughout scripture, but I want to I look here and this is in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and um, chapter 1 and verse, um, where are we? 19, I believe. Verse 19. For, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, even by Silas, Timothy, and me, was not yes and no. In him it was yes. For all, say all, all. of the promises of God are yes and amen. Look at this. To the glory of God through us. Through us. We have a part to play in us receiving God's promises in our life. He wants you to be well. 
He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be content. He wants you to be free from sin, from the power of the enemy. He wants to see you walking in the fullness of everything he's paid for for you in this life. Everything. That is the fact. Amen? His promises are always yes. Always yes. And, but there is a part that says amen. You know, we put the amen to God's yes. When we, when we receive Jesus, we put the amen to God's offer of salvation. Amen. says, yes, I believe it. Let it be so. Let it be done unto me. Amen? That's that. Amen. I'm saying amen. Look at that. Okay? But we needed to put the amen to it. God's made his mind up about you, but we need to put the amen to it. And here's the thing. When God gives you a word, he's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. You know, when I, was, when I was little, I mean, it used to drive me crazy when I'd ask my mum and dad who, who are here, can we go for a picnic today? Or can we, can we, you know, can we go to the park today? Or can, and, and because, you know, now I'm a parent, I have three teenagers, I do the same thing. So I totally understand why. You don't want to overcommit and underdeliver as parents, do you? Right? Let me tell you, God is not worried about overcommitting and underdelivering. That's good news, okay? So when he says yes, you can take it to the bank. But as a parent, sometimes what we say to our kids is, maybe. Yeah, yeah I'm a cool parent. Maybe. Right? Saves all the tantrums, doesn't it? Until they get older and smarter. And then how does it work? They just nag. Nag, 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 right? <laughs> they break you down slowly, okay? My daughter just got a snake. Don't ask me why. I don't like those things. I don't even want these things. I think they're of the devil, okay? But because I'm a really cool mom, somehow along the line, she broke me down. And eventually, my maybe crumbled into yes. Okay, so pray for me. But uh, I told her there's only one con- there's, there's, We actually gave her like 10 conditions, okay, on, on how this snake was ever going to possibly enter its way into her house. I don't want to see it. I don't want to smell it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to look at it. I don't even know, want to know that it exists. It's going to live in its little tank in your bedroom, and I'm not going to hear the screams of the little mice as you're feeding it. No, no, no. I'm not doing it, okay? Apparently, they're frozen mice, but I mean, well, I had to, like, those dead frozen mice are not staying in my freezer, okay? I don't want to go get the ice cream out and have mouse instead of moose or something, right? We're not doing this. But God's promises, they're never a maybe, they're always a yes. You see, God is a promise keeper, and he's always been a promise keeper. So when he tells you something, it's not like we don't know if it's going to happen. It's an absolute guarantee. You know, you can, you can read all the way through this, um, all the way back to the, to the book of Genesis. You know, God picked Abraham, and he gave, he gave him a promise, okay? We're going to look at this in, in, a, in Genesis. I'm going to get you flicking through your Bible here. I love, I love preaching in England because I can preach fast and people understand me. It's great. I don't have to sound out every syllable. Okay. You know, in, in Genesis 15, verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord came to him. This man will not, be, um, will not be your heir, but a son that is from your own body will be your heir. Look, he brought him aside said, look up towards, he's talking about Abraham, right? Look up towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. He said, so will your descendants be. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. In verse 8, it says, But Abraham said, Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? You've got to understand the story here. Abraham and Sarah were well past the point of being able to have children. 
Now, you look like a smart crowd, so we're not going to go into a biology lesson here. But they were, like, they were well up there, like 9,900, and they did not have an heir. Um, Sarah was barren. She wasn't able to have children. And now they've gotten past all the point where that was even naturally possible. And here's God saying to Abraham, listen, you, this, this, this illegitimate child that you've just tried to, you know, just tried to, 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 to conceive here isn't going to be your son. I've got something better for you than that. In other words, Abraham, don't settle for something less than my best. Sometimes, because we don't really know how good God is or have absolute trust or faith in him, confidence in his word or his ability to keep his word, we will settle for something less than God's best, right? But if we're going to stand on the promises of God, we need to know what the word says and know who it is that said them. You see, God's word is not going to disappear. It's not going anywhere. It's been around for thousands of years, supernaturally preserved, and it has been unchanged. Amen? Jesus himself became, the word became flesh. It is the word manifest in the person of Jesus who now lives in us. Man, there's so much in this that we could go into. But the point is, God's word is, is, is precious, and it is, he's always going to keep it. You know, in the scriptures it says, um, that basically the heaven and earth, if the heaven and earth are still firm, you know, not a jot or tittle, not once the smallest part of a letter in this book is going to fail to come to pass. Every word in this book is going to come to pass. You understand that? Every single word. And if it doesn't, the heaven and earth that we're standing on itself are going to fade away. They're going to fall apart. Stamp your feet. Can you feel solid ground? You know what that means? God's word's still good. Hasn't failed yet, isn't going, to fail, isn't going to fail in the future. Amen. God's word is still good because we're still work, walking on the earth today. Amen. As long as there is earth, there is God's word and it is still working. But look, he, he, may, he tried to make this, this whole situation. He's an heir come to pass himself and he got himself an Ishmael instead. But God's faithful. Even when Abraham messed up, God's faithful. Right? And he says, listen. You're going to be the father of many nations. We sang a song earlier that was talking about that the, you name all of the stars in the sky. That really ministers to me because I went out on my, on my back deck probably a couple of years ago now, and in Colorado where I live, there's not a whole lot of light pollution. It's very, um, the, the sky is like black and light, and the stars are really bright. And we went out, and we, we, we live right by the mountains, and we, we went out there and looked up off the deck, and there just seemed like a zillion stars, like they were absolutely everywhere. And they were so bright. And God says to me, do you like the stars? That is so cool. You can have small talk with him. Do you like, do you like the stars? I said, yeah, they're pretty cool. They're very pretty tonight, Lord. And he says, I thought you'd like them. That's why I put them there. That's my dad, right? And he, and he told me, you know, every star has a name, and every, every person has a star. You have a star named after you. You have a star. I have a star named Carly. I don't know which one it is. I'm not going to figure that out. There was lots of them, okay? Right? But, every, but this is just something that God dropped in my spirit. I'm like, why? God, that is so cool. And then he reminded me of, of Abraham. He says, you know what? When Abraham went out, later on in the Genesis, you'll see his, God makes a covenant with him, and he changes his name to Abraham. That means God with him. God with Abraham, okay? But he takes him out here, and he, and he shows him. He says, Abraham, go out. Remember, he lived in the desert, okay? He lived in, in the backside of nowhere um, in tents, okay? And so God used uh, things that were very natural, things that were very physical to paint a picture of his promises on the inside of Abraham, okay? He didn't have, you know, the, the, a book. He didn't, have, he didn't have the word of God written down for him. God spoke to him 
and he, he gave him a picture of something that was very tangible that he could see it on the inside. So he used the sand between his toes. He says, as many as there are grains of sand between your toes, basically, that's how many descendants you're going to have. You see how many stars are out there in the night sky? That's how many. You're going to be a father of many nations. You're trying to believe me for just one heir? I've got a whole lot better than that for you. I've got a whole lot better than that for you. You see, when we're standing on the promises of God, how many of you have been believing God for something for a long time? Okay, is it fun? No, okay. That's a typical response. And, and his, this is where Abraham and Sarah were. They were 99, 100. It was looking like the, you know, the, the, the promise of God was kind of like, oh, my goodness, I don't know if that's going to work. But God gives them something very tangible. He gives them a picture. He works with what they have. And I want to encourage you, if you've been believing God for a long time, God wants to work with what you have, not what you're trying to get, not what you don't have. He'll meet you in a place of faith exactly where you are today. He'll meet you in the place of faith. So I want to encourage you, get a picture on the inside of you of whatever it is that the, the end result needs to be. This is really important. God gave Abraham, Abraham and Sarah a picture. He said, look at the stars, look at the sand. This was a visual picture. So they could imagine themselves. You know, the imagination is so huge. Imagination is so huge. Isaiah 26.3 says, He who keeps his mind stayed upon the Lord is kept in perfect peace. You know that word mind, it means imagination. When we keep our imagination stayed upon the Lord, we're kept in perfect peace. You know that word peace is shalom. It means health, it means wellness, it means wholeness, it means safety, it means favour, it means friendship. If we keep our imagination stayed upon God, we're kept in health, we're kept in wealth, we're kept in safety, in safety we're kept in favour, we're kept in wholeness, we're kept in friendship. Is that a good deal? Amen. And it all comes because we keep our imagination stayed upon God. What is my imagination doing? Your imagination is always doing something. Sometimes we need a picture on the inside of us of what it looks like to be well, of what it looks like to be healed. How many of you have ever heard of vision boards? Have you heard of vision boards? Do you have? Okay, they're quite a big deal in America. People often have vision boards. In our offices, we have a whole wall. Over here, maybe you might call them a prayer wall or something different. But basically, we get pictures of things that we're believing God for. Pictures of things, okay? So you know, it might be for people to be saved, right? It might be for a family member. It might be that you've got um, somebody, a mission field, a country on your heart. Adore but a particular area that God ha- that, that you feel God is stirring you towards, but you haven't seen it yet come to pass or manifest. I hate that word, but you know what I mean, right? We, make, we actually print pictures out and we put them on the wall. You know, in, in, in the scriptures it says, write the vision, make it plain, that others can read it and run with it. We need to have a mental picture of the promises of God like Abraham did on the inside of us because our imagination is what connects us to the power and the presence and the promises of God. We see things on the inside before we ever see them on the outside. You know, I mentioned earlier about our daughter Hannah. When she was three years old, she was sent home from the hospital to die. God gave me three visions. He gave me a vision of, and we were, we were living in the hospital at this point. We had a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a six-year-old, and then after that we got a TV. Okay? It was busy, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. In, in those three visions, we've seen two of them come to pass. So she's, she's three and, in, at the time, and she's laying in a hospital bed connected to all these monitors and this, that, and the other. And every time the doctors came in, it was, it was death and destruction. And we called them the prophets of doom. The prophets of doom in white coats are coming in again. Look at them. Right? They always look so depressed. And uh, they, they came in. They never had anything good to say ever. 
And, uh, and, and so every time they came in, we kind of just braced ourselves, like, you know, constipated Christians. And we just braced ourselves for the onslaught of, 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 the, of just a bad report. And so they came in, and God gave me these three visions as she's laying there with all of this stuff going on. One of them, she's three and a half years old, and she's riding a little red tricycle. And the other one, um, she was five years old and walking in a green school uniform through the school gates on her very first day of, of nursery at school, okay? And, I, and then the other one, she was much older, and that's my husband Ashley walking her down the aisle on her wedding day. Haven't, she's only 16, okay? She, that one hasn't happened yet, but I'm praying for her husband. He's going to need prayer. She's, a, she's awesome. She's 10 in 1, okay? <laughs> She's high maintenance. She's going she's to need a husband that likes maintaining her. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> she's all. But, um, but, but here's the thing. With those, vi- with those pictures on the inside of me, it changed how I felt about the promises of God. Do you see that? Suddenly now, they weren't just words on a page. I knew the promises of God were yes and amen, okay? But I wasn't seeing them happening yet. I was looking at my daughter who was still dying in the bed. You understand that? And, and, you know, what we see through our eyes will move us on a heart level. It says the eyes are the window to the soul, right? We are moved by what we see. How many of you have ever watched a scary movie? Confession. Oh, you weren't always saved. Come on, right? Okay. Here's, you know, you, you, might, you might watch a scary movie. Don't do that, by the way, because fear is a horrible motivator. I'm not condoning this. Well, if you watch a sad movie, it'll have the same thing. You know it's all fake. You know, at the end of the day, those people go home and none of the actors were hurt in the making of that movie, right? You know, all the knives were rubber, whatever. No one was really, you know, no one was really hurt. They're all safe in their beds. Everyone's good. But while you're watching that movie, what you're seeing with your eyes is moving you at a heart level, isn't it? Your imagination is starting to kick in. It's starting to connect with the actors. It's, and, and, then, and then what happens? Your feelings, your emotions start following what you're thinking upon. Do they not? Right? And your heart beats just a little bit faster. Right? And, you, and then you start, to get the, you start to get the pillow and it starts to creep up. Right? Come on now. All the popcorn's like... Right? And then, because, you know, or if it's a sad movie, you might start to leak from your eyes. I know men don't cry. They leak from their eyes. Okay? Because you know it's not real. No one really died. But you stop putting yourself at what... And imagining what was it like if I was in that situation. You see, what you're thinking upon will drive your feelings. You start to feel like what you're thinking upon. Your imagination is all wrapped up in this. You start to get emotional. And then your actions start following what you've been thinking and feeling. So when you go to bed, you want to check all the doors are locked and you want to look under the bed and you want to turn the lights on, right? You know there's no boogeyman under the bed, Right? You know that your house is, the doors are locked. You've checked them a thousand times, okay? But because you've been watching these things, your imagination has been going there. You're becoming to, you're starting to act out what you're thinking upon, what you're seeing with your physical eyes. And in the same way that our imagination can be used in a negative sense, our imagination can be used in a powerful sense. It can be used to help us access the promises of God. So as the doctors came into our, into our room there and they told us all this stuff about how she was, you know, not got much time and this, that and the other and she's the worst case I've ever seen, you can imagine, right, the prognosis was terrible. On the inside of me, God was playing videotape. Roll VT, okay? VT of what, of what was going on in his word. He was showing me Hannah's future. 
And little did I know, but those, those, those visions, those pictures on the inside of me were going to be instrumental to me, not growing weary whilst in the process. Amen? Because it's not fun being in process, is it? But I've got, I've got a message for you today, and if it's one word out of this that you, that you remember, it's you will win if you don't quit. You will win if you don't quit. Don't quit. Amen? Just don't quit. You're going to win. Just don't quit. And in those times, get, get, get in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues, ask the Lord to paint a picture of victory on the inside of you. Because, you know, if, if, if we have a picture of God's promises on the inside of us, it's a step towards possessing them. Abraham asked um, the Lord this question, and this is in, in um, Genesis 15, verse 8. But Abraham said, Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? How will I know that I'm going to possess it? And here's the thing, you know, we can, we can read this in the New Testament as well, but every, every promise that God gave to Abraham, we're also heirs to those promises because of Jesus. Everything he spoke to Abraham, he's spoken to us, and better. Amen? But, God, but, but there was a point at which Abraham could have said, you know what, Lord, that's all very nice, but, um, you know, we're 100, we're 99, I just don't, in, in the light of all circumstances, you know, I know what you're trying to do here, I appreciate it, Lord, really, seriously, I do, but, you know, me and Sarah, there's not much going on there, I mean, I'm just saying, right, under the circumstances, you know, the biology of it, no one at our age, Lord, you may not have realised this, but no one at our age has babies, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't happen, you know, I appreciate it, God, but under the circumstances. I, think, I, don't think we're your, I don't think I'm your man. I think you need to go find someone else, right? Come on, some of us have said that, okay? I know I have, Lord, find somebody else. But, but God, you know, Abraham had to take it, and, and he said, even though I don't understand it, even though it doesn't look possible, you're God, and you're a promise keeper, and your promises always come to pass. And there's never been a promise yet that God's made that hasn't come to pass. You see, God is not a man that he's going to lie. He doesn't make a promise and sometimes it's a maybe. He doesn't make a promise and overpromise and underdeliver. He keeps his promises. So he's like, Lord, I don't understand how this is going to work, but how can I possess it? You see, immediately he embraced it on the inside and he decided to participate in it. You know, there has only ever been one immaculate conception and it wasn't Isaac. I'm just saying, we come to a point where we've got to put some action to our faith, right? And so he's like, Sarah, let's go to the tent. Come on, let's go back there, right? And so he went to, he went to take possession of the word of God. Oh, are you tracking with me here? I know there's some children present, okay? But there's a point where we just like with salvation, the promises of God aren't automatic. We need to take possession of them. If we're going to stand on the promises of God, we A, have to know what the promises are, Right? How do you know what the promises of God are? Come to church, read the Bible. They'll tell you, okay? Hear from God, pray in tongues. He's going to tell you what his promises are. They're good and precious ones. Find out what they are. There's, there's a whole list of them, okay? And uh, if, you want a, if you want a quick synopsis, you could read the, uh, the, the part of um, Deuteronomy chapter 28 where it talks about the blessings. Don't worry about the curses. They don't apply to you, okay? Because Jesus redeemed us from the curse, Galatians 3.13, right? But the promises of God, we've got to know what they are, and then we have to possess them. We have to participate in them. Just knowing what they are, you can read the Bible back to front and never put any faith in it. It won't profit you anything. Right? Even the devil knows what the word says. Seriously. 
right? But we need to apply the word. If we want to see the word of God manifest in our life, if we want to see the promises of God play out in our life in the realm of healing, prosperity, provision, forgiveness, whatever it is, you name it, we have to participate in it. Remember, we don't just wake up saved. We have to participate in it. So like in the same way that Abraham participated in the promise, he said, how am I going to possess this? How am I going to possess this? I want to show you somewhere else. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Look at this. I'm speaking about as fast as I can here, so I'm hoping you get something good. Right, Deuteronomy 4, verse 1. Now therefore listen, O Israel, to the statutes and to the judgments which I'm teaching you to do, so that you may live and go in and possess the land that the God of your fathers is giving to you. Don't add any words to it. Don't take any away from it, but go, but go do it, right? Go possess it. This is the word of the Lord to Moses. Remember the story, he brought them out of, of Egypt, okay? But they still needed to go and possess the land. This is interesting, and you can read this in many different uh, books in the Old Testament, actually. In, in Numbers chapter 13, he's talking about um, a similar type of thing. There needs to be a possession of what God has given us. There needs to be a taking of it. And so many of us don't realize that we, ha- that we are, have been stolen from because we didn't know we had to possess it in the first place, right? We, we've been given it, but we have to possess it. If I was to write you a check today and you were to put it in your purse and do nothing with it, would it benefit you at all? No. Does anyone even write checks anyway? Some people do. In America, they love checks. Okay? But, but, you, but you get the point. It's, it's a piece of, it's a promise of something. God has given us a whole book full of checks. Okay? He signed every one of them. They're already credited to you, but you still have to take it to the bank. Or get your mobile deposit app out nowadays, whatever it is, okay? You have to take possession of something that God has given you, amen? And so when he says to him, this, this teaching that I'm teaching you, so that take possession of it, so that you may go in, that you may live and go in and possess it. Now, I did a little bit of word study on this, and it's fascinating. This word live in this, I'm still in Deuteronomy 4, verse 1, this teaching, do so so that you may live, okay? This word in the original text is haya, H-A-Y-A, and it means to live prosperously. It doesn't just mean to be alive, okay? It means to live prosperously, to be restored to health, to be revived from sickness, death, discouragement, to grow or to be preserved. How many of you need to start living today? Yeah. Right? Okay, let, let, go on here. It says that you may live and go in. You know, the word in is not translated the same everywhere, okay? This is interesting. It's bow, right? I don't know how you say that, but it sounds cool when I say it like that. It means to come against, to attack the enemy, to invade, abide, eat, or employ. It means to invade and inta- attack the enemy. The word possess here, okay? It means to drive out the previous tenants, to utterly succeed, to seize, or dispossess to eradicate poverty. How many of you need some of that going on? So if we put these words back in here, in the true meaning of what, the, of what it says, it says, Now therefore listen, O Israel, to the statutes and to the judgments which I'm teaching you. Listen to this word, in other words, so that you may live prosperously, be restored to health, be revived from sickness, death, discouragement, that you may grow, that you may preserve, and that you may go in and attack the enemy 
and invade him and drive out the previous tenants that were inhabiting your mind, your wrong thinking, your sick flesh, your poor bank account, your dispossession to eradicate every lie of the enemy that's ever been spoken or manifest in your life. Amen? That's what that means. But here's the thing. For Abraham to take possession of the promise, he started in here, not in the bedroom. You understand that? Before he even got on the backside of the tent and acted out and put faith through God's word, he had to change his thinking. He had to get his mind. We're talking here this morning about changing a culture, changing a way of thinking, right? It starts with us. It starts with us. It doesn't even start out there in the world. It starts right here in the hearts and minds of every single believer. God has got promises for us that haven't manifested yet in our life simply because we haven't taken possession of them. So how do we possess the promises? Now, I'm trying to give you a teaching here in 30 minutes that takes about eight hours, so I'm hoping it's coming out well. Okay? How do we start to possess the, the very promises that God has for us? We have to know what the promises are. We have to know what they are. Real quickly, I'm going to give you a, a, a little summary here. How many of you know John 3.16? Okay, we'll, we'll go there and we'll start there. John 3.16. John 3.16, okay? No one has ascended... Um, three, I'm going to start in verse 14, okay? I'm going to back up a little bit. In verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the man, son of man be lifted up. He's talking about Jesus. So that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, so what's being referred to here by John is a moment that happened in in the book of Numbers, way in the Old Testament, where people were being bitten by snakes. They were being bitten by snakes in the wilderness because they strayed off the path. Okay, they were being bitten and they were being poisoned and they were dying. And in order for them to receive healing, yes, healing even in the Old Testament, they made a snake out of bronze and they hoisted it up, they crucified the snake on a pole. Okay, and he said, whoever looks on this snake, it was a picture, it was was of things to come. It was an image of Jesus on the cross, that's what it was, a type and shadow, a forerunner of things to come. It was very prophetic. He says, whoever puts faith in in this, puts trust in this, is going to receive healing, is going to receive wholeness. So that's what it's referring to. He's He's comparing the crucifixion of God to the serpent in the wilderness. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, this is really interesting, okay? But when, it, when it's talking about salvation in these chapters, it's talking about the word sozo. Salvation, okay? We'll be saved, to be saved, okay? It says in some translation. We may not carry on verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him he might be saved. That word saved is sozo. It's not just your ticket to heaven. Okay, praise God we're going to heaven. How many in here are going to heaven one day? Amen. I hear it's really nice this time of year. Okay. But anyway, right, it's not just talking about heaven. This is talking about healing. It's talking about prosperity. It's talking about forgiveness of sins, safety, favor, friendship, wholeness. All of those things are wrapped into that one word saved. So if we want to live the saved life, not just our ticket to heaven, not just our, not just our relationship with God life, but everything for which Jesus paid for, it comes through relationship with him. 
It comes through relationship. That's where the promises of God are found, in that very word salvation, in that very word saved. All of the promises are wrapped up in that one package that we received called Jesus. Amen? He was the original benefit package. Amen? So when we received Jesus, we didn't receive just salvation. We got the whole package. But we've got to know what those promises are, first of all. Right. Second of all, we need, to, we need to possess it. We need to take it and possess it. We talked about the word possess, meaning to draw, one of the words meaning to drive out the previous tenants. Did you know that you have some tenants renting space in your head? You do, right? We have lots of things in this world that are competing for our time, our attention, our passion, right? Every, everything. You know, some of those are called fear. Some of those are called doubt, some of those are called unbelief, they might be called depression, they might be called sickness, worry, okay, low self-esteem, vulnerability, abandonment, unforgiveness, anger, hatred. We have things that are renting space in our head, right? So if we want to possess the promises, all the good stuff that we talked about at the beginning, we've got to evict some tenants, amen? We've got to evict some tenants that have been renting space in our head. How do we evict tenants that have been renting space in our head and giving us negative imaginations? How do we change our thinking is what we're talking about. Now, Romans puts it this way. Paul in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? What does that even mean? That simply means to place the word of God at a higher value than what we, what we see, what we think, what we feel, what we experience. Placing the word of God first. Remember, the promises of God, are, they don't care about our experience. The words on the page aren't going to change if we like them or don't like them. The promises of God aren't going to fall off a cliff because we decide to get into doubt or unbelief one day. right? The promises of God are only ever yes and amen. They're not changed. They don't change, but we change. So if we're going to experience every good and precious promise that God has for us, we need to do some changing. There needs to be some changing in our thinking and how we process things. For some of us, that might be simply getting really serious about the Word of God, about reading the Word of God, about spending time in the Word of God, about spending time in our... Do you have house groups, cell groups? Connecting with people, being part of the body, but, you know, sitting down with other people saying, I don't understand this. Can, can, you, can we read the Word together? It, it means simply taking time in our life sometime to read the word and apply it to our life. Remember, this is the possession piece of it. Yeah. It takes effort, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's not always comfortable. you know. And I don't know about you, but if I sit down to read a novel, no one's ever going to distract me. Right. If I sit down to, to read the word, all hell breaks loose. The devil doesn't want you reading the word. He doesn't. He'll do anything he can to distract you. But it's part of how we possess the promises about how we start to change our, 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 our thinking to line up with what God says. Remember, whatever we think upon is going to drive what we feel. Right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you don't like the way you're feeling, change the way you're thinking. Sometimes I think this is so simple, it's, it's, it takes effort to misunderstand it. Okay, But some of us are so used to living in the realm of feeling that we don't realize the feelings that we don't like that come to us all the time are a fruit of what we've been thinking upon. Right? So if we don't like what we're feeling, we can change what we're thinking. This is part of, of, of um, eradicating and, and writing an eviction notice 
to some of those negative thought patterns maybe that have just been hanging around for so long. You know, this is really interesting because, um, you know, when you, when you study this out, the children of Israel, they were released from slavery. We've been talking about releasing people from slavery today. You know, when people come out of slavery, it's a whole other process to get the slavery out of them. There's a process of physically releasing them from captivity, but the biggest sense of captivity is in their minds. The children of, of Israel found this when they came out of Egypt. There were certain things that they struggled to get their, they literally get their head around because they still thought like they were slaves. We need to quit with the slave mentality by understanding who we are in Christ. Amen? The good and precious promises that he's put on the inside of us. The next thing I've got here to, to, to stand on the promises of God is to start speaking out the promises of God. Right? We can hear them, we can know them, we can agree with them, but if we don't speak them, they're not going to bear fruit. How many seeds have you sown, or how many, how many plants have you, have you seen that didn't first have a seed? Put it that way. Right? Plants, crops have to have seeds. You know, if the farmer just simply thinks about sowing a crop, he could sit in his, his armchair and he could, think, he could count his crop, he could draw pictures of his crop, he could, he could talk, you know, he could, he could imagine his crop. You know, he could think he could go on Pinterest and find lots of recipes with what, to, what pies to make with his crop, okay? But if he, if he doesn't actually take his seed and plant it in the ground, he's not going to have a crop, right? There needs to be, if we want some, some harvest, we have to first plant a seed. And when we speak the word of God out, when we speak out the promises of God, we are like sowing seeds, the word of God is like seeds of faith that are being released. And, you know, the word, words are powerful, aren't they? I mean, um, when I was a little girl, they used to tell me, well, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's rubbish. Isn't it rubbish? I mean, seriously, you know, chicks might dig scars, but it's the, it's the scars that you have on the inside which last a lifetime. It's the words that people, marketing people in this world, they know this. Right? I could tell you all these different um, uh, slogans, taglines, and you could tell me what company it is. Okay? Mark them, the world of marketing and advertising understand this. They understand this perfectly. Okay? But, but we need to understand as believers the power that's in the word. You see, he sent his word and healed you. He didn't even send the doctor to heal you. He sent his word to heal you. Fancy that. Right? He sent his word to heal you. Okay? You know, his word doesn't return void, is what he says in Isaiah 55, 11. His word doesn't, it doesn't fail to come to pass. His word never returns void. There is not a word that God's spoken that hasn't come to pass. Right? When God speaks it. Now, it also says he's put his words in our mouth that we might build up, tear down, plant, or destroy. He's put his words in our mouth. And here's the fact. The devil doesn't want us to speak out the promises of God. He wants us to confess everything that's wrong in our life, everything that's contrary to the word of God, because he knows, oh my goodness, if they would just take the word of God and actually believe it and then speak it, it'd be all over for me. It'd be all over for me. He's trying to do anything he can do to shut you up, he will. Why do you think in the body of Christ there is such contention about speaking in tongues? Because the devil doesn't understand it. And he has no power over it, right? He's terrified of it. Ultimately, he builds up your faith. That's why it's a, people don't mind the other gifts, but they just don't do that tongues thing, right? I gotta, 
Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other thing, right? But we need to start speaking out the word of God. What's the time, Pastor Mark? Oh, my goodness. Okay, let's wrap this up and pray for people. We need to start speaking out the word of God. Amen? Amen. We need to start speaking out the word of God. You know, Mark 11, we're going fin- to finish with this, okay? Mark 11, and then we're going to pray for people. How many of you are ready to receive? Good, because I'm getting hot. That's a good thing. I know, hot stuff, right? I know, come on. It's a good thing. Right, Mark 11. Now, Mark 11, um, 20, it's starting 22. Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Turn to your neighbor and say, have faith in God. No, say it like you mean it. Have faith in God. Amen. doesn't matter what, you know, this is the answer to so many problems. My spouse has left me. My faith in God. Right? I feel sickness in my body. Have faith in God. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Have faith in God. Right? If you've got nothing positive to say, have faith in God. Amen? Okay? If you haven't got nothing good to say, have faith in God. Right? He says, have faith in God. For truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you say when you ask, when you say, when you pray, believe that you will have them, receive them, and you will have them. I don't think I could say that any quicker than that. Okay? Let me, let me just say, under the, in, in, in my Bible, I have the word say underlined every time it says it. There's three more times sort of speaking than there is a believing. Yeah. Only once it says believe, the rest of the time it's saying speak. Speak, yeah. speak, 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 speak. Yeah. If in doubt, speak the word of God. Have faith in God, speak the word of God. Have faith in God, speak the word of God. That's what it's saying. And if you do that, you're going to have whatever you speak. Do you want the promises God manifests in your life? Yeah. Then speak them. Amen? That's what we've got to do. This word say, it actually means Lego. How many of you have ever played with Legos? How many of you have ever trodden on Legos? Okay? And then you are speaking. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Right? Here's the thing. That word Lego, it comes from here. Did you know that? It means building block. It means a set discourse. It means to speak, to speak as in a systematic set discourse. It can also mean to command, to speak out, to use your own voice and to be loud. Amen? So what we need to do, if we want to see the promises of God manifesting in our life, we need to know what they are, we need to hold on to them and we need to speak them out loud. Amen? Loud. Are you ready to start speaking out the word of God? Loud. Amen. All right. Everyone stand up for me.